2: Shake Them Ropes episode 301, Jeff Hawkins here in rainy Southern California, joining me with musical accompaniment, Chris Novembrito. Hi, Chris.
1: (laughs) You asked for it, you got it, drum machine bass.
2: Yeah! (laughs) No, I I have my horn put away. Do the horns, Jeff. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. No, I have have a P-Bone, much like uh, Austin Creed, and I still take credit for pointing him to a plastic trombone is much cheaper to replace than an actual brass trombone, which I remember that second week where they broke it, and I just, I screamed, because I know how much those things actually cost. (laughs) I was like, no, break the plastic ones from now on. Ah, so it's raining. It's a weird day all the way around, but...
1: You want a cat report real quick before we get started?
2: Yes, please.
1: Shadow and Chesterfield have become very good buddies in the two weeks now since I've adopted Shadow, and they nap together. They're actually, like, napping together right now.
2: And I don't own a cat because I'm not a woman.
1: Um, <laughs> okay, well, you know. No, no, no it's fine. No, no, no. You, tried- you said it. You said it. No, I didn't say it. You said it. It, it reflects on you, Jeff. It reflects I know it on you. does.
2: Oh, it reflects negative on me because super fan Trish is going to kill me for saying that.
1: That's what's great about this is I know that Trisha is going to step up on my behalf and behalf <laughs> of all cat owners everywhere. Thank you, Trisha.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't make her head any bigger than it needs to be. Okay.
1: She has a new uh-huh. favorite co-host on this show now. <laughs> yeah. You did that, Jeff. You did that. Uh, you.
2: Well... Look, it's it's nice that we can laugh again after the tragedy that was Monday and Tuesday. And we got some fun shows from the uh, Wednesday night block on the WWE Network. But before we go into the new stuff, we have to double back for our cleanup spot, a point that we wanted that we might have missed in our rantings and ravings about Raw and our SmackDown. And mine is a quote that actually set me off on my negativity about Raw. During the Alexa Bliss sasha banks and bailey uh summit so to speak and that's when alexa bliss was going into sasha now being in a tag team because she couldn't hack it as a single star and nothing will make me angrier about ex- quote-unquote exposing the business than you saying a tag team is a demotion i hate that a tag team is different it is not a demotion it's a different division but that's my whole territory talk coming where where tag teams were special and protected. And, you know, you could always, you know, ha- have a singles guy from a tag team lose to your major star because, of course, he's a better tag team wrestler, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just like, why are you putting that on TV that being in a tag team is worse than being a single star? It, it just it turns off half your roster to the people who are watching you, I, 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 that line just infuriated me.
1: You know what I've got for you, Hawkins? And I said I didn't have anything before the show, and I didn't. But I listened, and I just came up with something: the okay. Dana Brooke no reason heel turn.
2: Oh yeah! You know what? That was on my list, and I did not because on the the odd thing about that is on Sunday night for the Starcade special, they did an eight woman tag match where Dana Brooke was teaming with the baby faces. And then the very next night on Monday Night Raw, she, she's jumping Sasha and Bayley, who were her tag team partners. That seemed a bit insane, with no explanation, and it just happened. And it's unnecessary because you
1: don't need another heel right now.
2: No, and it's also just one of those things where they'll say, oh, shut up, you're paying too much attention, but at the same time... I think logical stories work. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, my writing background. Maybe it's just I've watched... I don't
1: get why you wouldn't want people to be paying attention when you're making a television product.
2: Oh, it's just wrestling. It's not supposed to be good. You know, That's I can a very hear dangerous...
1: That. No, I can hear that, too. It's just a very, very dangerous logic because you're revising down the audience intensity.
2: Every other TV show that suffers from a lack of logical consistency... Audiences leave. It's why people have been down on the walking dead for a while. Although the audience is coming back, and I think it'll come back after after the end of this. It's not my cup of tea, but I mean you watch things like Sons of Anarchy and there are seasons that are just dreadful because they make no logical sense and the audiences left and eventually they came back for the end, but at the same time it's like, you know, If you want wrestling to be cool again and you want wrestling to get uh, even worse, even worse, not not taking the audience stuff out of this. This is a company that legitimately thought they could get Emmy consideration for their programming. They had an entire presentation to potential Emmy voters. Hey, you should vote for us because of our scripted programming. And I'm like... Well, if the script is bad, if it's not logical, why are they going to nominate you for your writing?
1: Yeah, the only unfortunate thing about that is that they didn't get, like, a report card back from the Emmys, which was like, we actually (laughs) graded your writing, and and here's what it looks like in the context of real television writing. So think about that, and please don't send anything in until you do.
2: Look, we union writers know you use non-union talent over there, so (laughs) Uh, so we're not going to ever nominate you for any of that stuff. But we had a lot of good television this week. I, uh, where do you want to start? you want to start with the strongest one?
1: Absolutely. NXT US was oh, yes. the oh. sorbet to cleanse the palate, opening up with a very, very strong tag team match with the Mighty.
2: I love the Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan tag team. They're great. For no, for no other reason that their entire gimmick is. They're two ugly guys who work hard. And that's all I need for a tag team. I, I, I lo- they are such a throwback special. They're vicious. They work as a team. The Mighty
1: are really good too. They're kind of throwbacky as well. They're heels, but they're not over gimmicked or anything. These guys are just dicks.
2: I'm absolutely shocked that they missed on the Mighty, but I, I probably shouldn't be. But it's, but it becomes a problem, and we might get into this a little bit with Vanessa Bourne, where. In a in an old school situation, a team like the Mighty would come in, and they'd be marketing them as their hot, young, good-looking guys for the ladies, and and it'd be like, oh, come on, ladies, you'll get to see the Mighty, you know, whatever. And and but every territory had one of those teams. Be it the Rock and Roll Express, be it the Fantastics, be it the Rockers in the AWA. You had those types of teams, and in in our current situation in wrestling and especially in the wwe which highly highly values cosmetic appeal if everybody's good looking then your good looking hot team isn't gonna register like that you know if everybody has the body of a fitness model then just bringing in two more good looking guys who can wrestle isn't gonna move the needle at all
1: They also came in at a bad time where you had the Authors of Pain and Gargano and Ciampa as the top level guys in the tag team division and the mighty would have been a fine replacement for Gargano and Ciampa. And they actually even did that one angle right before a takeover where the Mighty got a pinfall on somebody. Was it Gargano and Ciampa? I I can't remember who. But they were kind of in that conversation. But I think the presence of Gargano and Ciampa and the Authors of Pain really made it hard for the Mighty to click as a baby face and, and all the other things that you're saying are also true too I, I don't think they understood how to package these guys
2: yeah I, I think I think being foreign was a bit of a detriment to them as well and also just being moves guys because when they came from uh, I believe it was a uh, DDT slash dragon gate or something like that over there I mean they were they were the hottest tag team in 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 the air I mean when they when they were signed it was like oh this could be business changing you know for for both federations etc cetera, et cetera. you know the loss is going to be huge and it's gonna be a big pickup for the WWE and then of course injuries hit because you know people had to do too much for too many nights in a row and things like that but getting back to the match I mean birch and Lorkin I was happy they won I was happy that the mighty got their heat back because I do think there's something in them being dickish heels especially with the trench coats now they kind of have a better look to them they look like heels um and i i think i think lorkin and birch both deserve to be a little bit protected on this card given the match that they had against the undisputed era for the tag team titles on takeover i think it's good to just not forget about them because you have other teams in the hopper there
1: yeah i don't think they forgot about them because when they reintroduced Lorkin and Birch they did those video packages and everything. I think they still very much have plans for them and I think that there are probably plans for this feud to continue.
2: We got comments from Kyrie saying, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai about the chain of Basler deal. Uh, I kind of liked it. I, I like it uh, I don't like I, I yeah I don't like that they make them talk in a language that they don't they're not comfortable with. And you kind of get the pause of the broken English as they spell it out phonetically. But it it made sense as a, as a hey, we just want to fight all three of them kind of, kind of promo. As opposed to any kind of... They'll tend to cinematic up these things sometimes in terms of drama. I just thought it was a good straight-ahead promo.
1: Yeah, I like the staging. I think for this tandem here, Dakota Kai needs to be doing the heavy lifting. And they kind of had the right idea. I just would have had her do even more of that. This this really is a good opportunity for Dakota Kai to shine because she can do the speaking for these people.
2: Uh, EC three beat Marcel Barthel. Um, I'm high on both these guys. Yeah, I uh, like
1: Marcel Bartell.
2: I do too. I, I, I I'm they'll be very interested once Walter gets into the uh, fold if they they end up teaming the two of them and he gets shipped over to. Uh, NXT UK. I think that could I think that could really do wonders for him. Um EC3, you know, it was a good match. I didn't I, I hate didn't debuting like a guy
1: and beating him, but that's the NXT special.
2: Well, he's already debuted, Marcel. He oh, already he he? lost. Yeah, he, he I think he debuted against Keith Lee.
1: Oh. Okay. Wow.
2: Yeah, he, he and he lost and we we made that point then. So it still stands. But Man, What's even promo. worse is
1: this is his second chance to make a first impression with me, <laughs> and he still managed to screw it up.
2: Yeah, you know, the the crowd was behind EC3, but but it was weird because he was starting to get into that vicious promo about how he's gonna kill Bobby Fish. And he goes, you know what? Because because I'm not coming for your entire body, and then you know, oh, I'm the top one percent of this industry. I'm like, Yeah, go back to the catchphrase, because we can't have actual you know menace in our baby faces i i I, it it kind of missed a bit with me but i'll take an ec3 bobby fish feud i'm down with that
1: yeah i think the match will be really good this kind of missed for me too because i think what needs to happen is bobby fish needs to jump him
2: (laughs) well he did uh also on when he when he smashed the knee it's like two guys with bad bad legs yes in a match so so, so it makes it interesting in terms of the injury factor I, i dig that uh we had video package for uh, the former Donovan Dijak. Now I believe he's going to go by Dijakovic. Uh, Dijakovic. I like him. I, I love his matches with Keith Lee. Put him in a program. I'm good with that. And and we had a follow up to Candice Lerae getting all moody. Yeah, it was fine. And then two big hunks of beef, Hoss match, Keith Lee versus Lars Sullivan. Loved it. I Look, I, I know people can complain that, yeah, you know, Keith Lee lost to Lars Sullivan, but that's part of his job here because Lars is on his way up to the main roster. So I had no problem with him losing here. I thought Keith Lee looked great in defeat. Um, I hope they don't make him do all those things in every match. But for in a big guy versus big guy feud in his first major feud on television, I'll take this. I loved I loved the middle rope moonsault. I liked the dive outside. I just don't want to see it every time like the Big E, Big Dive.
1: Yeah, I love this match and I don't think Keith Lee looked bad in this because this was a high profile match. Lars Sullivan has been a protected entity on the NXT roster. There's obviously big plans for him. He's a high profile talent. He's almost sort of Post NXT, even when this airs, because you've already got those video packages and stuff. So it it's not like an asterisk next to the win or anything like that. But but you think about this match in a slightly different context. And Keith Lee was really competitive and pushed Lars Sullivan. I like this match and he a w- lot. He
2: was he was in there to make Lars Sullivan look good. He was in there to carry him to a, to a good match and make him be impressive. And I thought, you know what, it, it hit all the notes there. So so it was good. I mean. I'm going to be interested to see that first Lars Sullivan main roster feud where Lars has to give up a little bit of offense or a little bit of defense to the other guy.
1: I think he would have benefited for some more time down in NXT to be completely honest. I don't think he's oh. quite ready for the main roster. I love him, but I think he needs to learn a little bit more about working a match, and I think that this match did sort of evidence that to a certain degree.
2: See, I'm I'm more of the opinion that I'm I don't think he's f I don't think he's centered character centered yet. I, I think he's he, he has an idea. He
1: has big words.
2: He has big words, but I don't know and if a it's voice. fully fleshed out. But he has a look. He has the main roster look. So I'm I'm wondering, I'm hoping you know, he that's one of those guys where that first promo, if it doesn't click immediately, Vince'll just get tired of him. That that's the fear. Is that first promo if he decides to like shoehorn some $5 words in there and the crowd starts whatting him and he gets lost in it. You know, Vince could say, Well, you know what, he wasn't what I thought he was, let's see what the next guy does. And then you just got Lars doing nothing. But you know, I, I don't it, it's hard for them to screw up big guys on the main roster because they get so invested in them. Yes. Vanessa Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yes, but I, I think you're on to something here that there there's a real chance if he lands on the raw roster. That he falls flat because he's a heel, which means he'll probably be sidled up with Baron Corbin and will be saying gooberish stuff within three weeks. If he ends up on the SmackDown roster, I think he's got better chances.
2: I, I think it's interesting because you can hide him a little bit better on the SmackDown roster, but you don't want to hide him either because they have so many heels on that SmackDown roster, you know, amongst Orton and Nakamura and Daniel Bryan, you know, I mean, that, that's the kind of move, if you put him on SmackDown, where, you know, go out there and beat Daniel Bryan in your first match. I
1: want him to be Nakamura. I, I actually would like him as a heel to come out and beat Nakamura because the crowd will immediately babyface Nakamura because he's Nakamura and he can babyface himself really, really quickly and okay. then put Lars Sullivan over him and make him your U.S. champion first night out.
2: Favorite of Chris Vanessa Bourne took on Mia Yim in her home in Mia Yim's hometown. Mia got the win. I think it's unfair I, to typify her as a favorite anymore.
1: <laughs> I, I, I resent I that. I do not resemble that comment.
2: I you know what? I think Vanessa Bourne has gotten a lot better. I do. And and watching the amount of damage she takes in a match now, I'm impressed with that. But like I said, kind of with the mighty, and I've said this before, her gimmick is she's attractive woman on a roster where almost everybody is attractive now. So The in-ring work
1: isn't where I need it to be for me to really be enjoying. No, I'm with you. She's gotten better, and, and she does certain moves well. But especially when you see the acquire talent that WWE has and stand them up against their homegrowns, you just see the deficit. Yeah.
2: If WWE wants to get me something for Christmas, uh it's it, it's that they can uh they can stop having their talent cut promos in the middle of a match.
1: I on the other hand will take a six-figure contract. Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: Uh, and that's uh that's NXt even though I, I reversed the order on the born and, and Lars Sullivan matches but uh, any anything else uh from NXt that uh that caught your eye or ear
1: you know what here's what caught my ear I really miss Moro Ronaldo calling shows because the one thing that is happening on commentary that drives me crazy is no one calls any moves. And it's gotten really noticeable, especially on two hundred five live. It, like half the time, Nigel at various points doesn't know the names of finishers, uh, and it's not quite oh, what a maneuver. But it's not that far off from that either.
2: No, that that's very true. But at the same time, that may not be the fault of the announcers. That may be a directive from on higher. That well, people don't want to hear the names of these moves etc etc you know they just want to hear the oh my and they want to talk narrative i'm not trying to slag anyone but boy
1: i hate that convention
2: i do i do too um yeah uh so nxt uk had a couple shows or do you want to do 205 live first because 205 live is going to be fairly quick for me but i know you had a couple points
1: on there 205 live will be fun uh let's get the work out of the way let's talk about NXT UK because okay. the, the two hours thing is just still killing me even with the week off it, even with delegating two episodes to you last week I came back and I was like oh this again and, and, and I guess I want to start with Eddie Dennis <laughs> I, I, no because this was the thing that I was excited about because my problem with this franchise is that it is dudes and dudettes having matches with limited story premise or anything and and it's all kind of vacant. And the well, before, Dent- you,
2: before you get okay. on, before you get on your Eddie Dennis kick, let me let me address your two episode thing. I don't think it's going to last much longer because I think it was one of those things where it's like they had a problem where they had all these episodes in the can, and they had plans. So especially with this women's tournament, um, where it, it was like, okay, we need to we we can just burn these and then we can get caught up, and then we can go back to it being once a week. I'm hoping that it's not going to be two a week.
1: Right, and and so so that'll be... Stomachable, but I I still won't like it because it is dudes and dudettes having matches with limited or thin narrative premises for them. Yes, and, and yes. so the main roster WWE Raw especially is massively overbooked, and if you want to see what underbooking looks like, because it's kind of a harder phenomena to see and observe, this is a great case study in it where there's not enough of a premise for these matches. So you have a hard time really emotionally investing in them. And with Eddie Dennis, we talked about this on episodes past, but I'll I'll recap it here real quickly. Jeff and I were really excited about... The premise of Eddie Dennis, this guy who had to go and get a job in quote-unquote the real world and put his dreams on hold and how that's created a bitterness and it created a lot of character nuance inside of him and then out comes this dude who is dressed up like an indie wrestler and it doesn't fit his character at all and he's just been this grand disappointment. I know you've got some stuff here on him as well, so go ahead.
2: Well I, I, I love what you mentioned about the program as a whole because to me it's 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 a bunch of talented guys and they went in there with the, the kind of the WWE mindset of okay, what's his hook and what's the phrase we're gonna say about him as opposed to what are these character motivations and why are, why is it special here in the UK? And and why are we, you know, the the question why wasn't asked enough in terms of character development. So we're getting these types of two-week angles where, oh, in in a tournament, so-and-so partnered with so-and-so and and he didn't tag him. So now they're going to have a match this week. We we really needed some more depth uh, of character here for everybody in terms of their motivation. So then we could then pair people off and it's become too much like... Well, we, ha- we invited all these UK wrestlers into a building, and we're now trying to universe-build around the TV show that we want to make with them. And that's the TV show. It's more backstage machinations and Commissioner Johnny Saint and whatnot. But on Eddie Dennis, watching... I liked his offense this week in the match against Ashton Smith. I just... To me, I... I there are certain people that need that wwe big character flourish and eddie dennison ter- or eddie dennis in terms of his gear in terms of his presentation is one of those guys because he's dressed like a guy at my gym as opposed to a professional wrestler he's not a body guy but he ha- he's big and you can tell he's big in the ring and he's very very tall and he does power moves like a big guy. So you need something with a little bit more panache on him, so to speak, to help get him over as the big baddie that you want him to be, I think. And th- this gear, you know, I, I agree. It looks very indie, but it just it just looks very unprofessional on a supposed professional program. This is
1: a guy I could totally see wrestling in Long black suit slacks and like a white button-up shirt, like dressed up almost kind of like a disciplinary teacher, a teacher, the teacher exactly. that we said, the principal, right? Yeah, right. And, no. and then the slacks would make his legs look long too, and it would accentuate his height. And he's towering over people, and he's scowling at people, slow the match down a little bit. He's still wrestling like a like he hasn't spent years in the real world building up resentment. There, there's a little bit of a like 20s wrestling young 20s wrestling stuff going on here i want stylization i want the slower pace of a man in his 30s who's calculating and angry
2: well i'm trying to anticipate criticism of this point and it's going to be well that just takes away from the purity of it and jeff aren't you the guy who hates a lot of the vince mcmahon moves i go yeah but you know you put him in this white white button-up shirt and black slacks whatever and because he's not a body guy, you explain. Yeah, he was in the real world, so he didn't have a time to live at the gym all the time. Because you're you're trying to hide his also his his weak parts and right. part of his weak points to me is that he looks like a very tall skinny guy who has some athletic prowess, but isn't a professional wrestler per se. Yeah, so he plays I, rec league basketball. Yes, yeah, he that. Thank you. I didn't want to say that, but that's exactly what I say. It's like this is a guy who I could see playing basketball at my gym rather than a professional fighter, false fighter. So you you cover up for some of those things. And yeah, a costume, just some gear with some snap to it or something. I, make him look I bigger.
1: Th- we didn't complain yes. when you did that with Macho Man Randy Savage. That's all I'm saying. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I, I would agree there. I, I'm going to go with... Uh, you know what? I'm going to make a similar thing... I enjoyed the Joseph Connors versus Saxton Huxley uh, match. But Saxton Huxley is somewhat miscast. Because he... I mean, you can tell in the ring he is big. He is six foot four. I found out. Because watching that match, I was like, these are two big guys working a smaller guy match. And to me, Huxley is... should be... More of a power guy, or maybe I—I I don't want to say. I mean, I, I don't want to say he should be working like Brody.
1: No, not quite. I know the Brody comps are there, but I also am always reticent to go there because I don't want him working quite like Brody. But maybe sprinkle a little of that into the mix, if you will.
2: There's not enough toughness to his character no. or his style, and that—that's what's missing. Is because like you—you—you you, you see the. Uh, the promo picture of him is just this goofy face, and I'm just like, okay, he's six four beard bag has some size to him. He should be a little tougher than he is, and he's not. But I like the Connors character. I like that they beat him or that that he, you know he got the win to establish this feud. But there was just something off watching Saxon Huxley where I'm like, he needs some more old school tapes to watch. And kind of represent himself in some way because... He's now working. I mean, it's that Luke Harper effect where guys who are you know huge are are working small guy style, and it's like no, because everybody else works that style. You don't want him to work that style. You want him to work a like in 1987, 88, a guy six foot four would be your power guy, not not just a normal guy. But that's another thing WWE does is they don't like guys who are under six foot. So. Nobody's really a giant when you have so many giants in the ring.
1: I like that you brought up the promo photo as well because I think the promo photo sort of gives you this idea of a zany wild man, uh, and he's going to do something kind of like a cross between the Ultimate Warrior and Lou Albino, something or, or like uh, the the Head Shrinker, something like that. Yeah, like zany almost. And, and then he doesn't come out and do that, and he doesn't come out. And really do bruiser Brody either there's not enough of a character there and the guy is dressed like there should be a character there so I mean this is the other reason why I sort of would resist the oh you're over gimmicking this guy kind of criticism because he's dressed up like he's in a gimmick and then he's not wrestling like a gimmick.
2: So there are only two other matches. There's a main event which will hold off, but the opener was uh, Ziya Brookside and Millie McKenzie beating Charlie Morgan and Killer Kelly. Thought this was rough, but I think it got over Ziya and Millie, who are both, you know, for lack of a better term, adorable. So <laughs> I mean, and I'm I'm fine with that. Charlie Morgan didn't do too much for me, and I thought Killer Kelly was a little rough in there. But uh, I, you know, I'm I'm I'll, I'll be happy when Ziya and Millie get into a feud with each other. 'Cause I think I think they'll they'll work really well together and I thought both both showed some good moves and then there was the uh
1: My my only doesn't... comment on that match oh, real quickly ahead. is I love the commentary point of Charlie Morgan. She's a preemie.
2: You know what? I really like Vic and and Nigel on this show. On 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 both episodes this week because I don't think they're being directed at all. And you can tell there's some give and take there. And Nigel's having some fun at Vic's expense and Vic is sometimes occasionally dishing it back as opposed to kind of how he's kind of a stuffed shirt on 205 live you know in terms of he's gonna be the straight man who can only call action and Percy and Nigel are gonna be the ones bickering. I like the give and take of Nigel and uh, and and Vic on on these two shows.
1: Sure, and then we get to our main event here uh, of Devlin and Pete Dunn. I liked this match. I like the pairing of Devlin and Dunn, and there's a good chemistry there. I-, I would like to see a rematch of this.
2: I will be very, very happy if they use this to do some character expansion of Jordan Devlin. Yes, who who continues to kind of be. I mean, you, you, look, you can you can bring up that uh, I keep on calling Prince Devitt but uh, that uh, Finn Balor trained him and he looks like him and he has very much the same mannerisms. I I want some more heelishness out of Jordan Devlin because he is technically great. He's a great high flyer, but high, f- high flying heels need to be a little bit more vicious in their high flying moves, like a knee to the back of the head and things like that. But I, you know what? Dunn, Dunn is still the best bell-to-bell competitor possibly on the entire roster of all of WWE. And, and this match was a hell of a lot of fun. I, I liked it a lot. I, I had no problem. I, I, liked, I liked the aspect of Jordan Devlin threatening to rebrand it as NXT Ireland. I think that gives a little bit more depth to it, but not enough. I want more. And if they continue to expand this thing... Uh, you know what? It, it, the, the rematch could be really something special.
1: That is true. Uh, the other thing that could happen, though, is that Devlin ends up in the Iron Kingdom.
2: Huh. That'd be... Because
1: uh... now he's got a reason to hate Pete Dunne. He wants revenge on Pete Dunne. He couldn't get it done by himself, and he's a heel.
2: All right. I'll, I'll go with that. You know, that's I, I'll take a nice, strong, stable. I will, that would I actually
1: balance them out a little bit, and they would be better. They need to get their own T-shirts and shit. Still, there's still a lot of work that needs to get done there. But Devlin would actually round them out.
2: Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there's there's something. I'm I'm trying to. I'm actually honestly. The the size factor might be something on that though.
1: No, but he's perfect he's like the Chris Benoit in the horseman he's the small guy
2: okay, okay. Well, that's actually a great uh, your boy Sid Scala made an appearance on the second episode he he sure uh, did I, w- I was thinking ooh maybe here here's where it comes here comes the big reveal of of Chris's dream of of the Sid Scala main event push. Or baby face push. Nah he's just here to inter- introduce Tyler Bates. Someone else is going to have a match <laughs> with you. Get that. Although I do like the you know what? Him in the suit makes me think he you know, if they decide not to invest anything in the kid, I'll I'll have him be a mouthpiece for people. I think he'd make a great manager.
1: Oh, he'd ah. be such a good tweety like little yeah. dweeb who, yes, yeah. oh man, he'd be great.
2: Yeah, I like that. And uh, I, I dug the Joe Coffey-Tyler Bate match. I, I liked that there was no resolution because we're building up stable versus stable. I'm I'm good with that. Uh, you can't go wrong with Tyler Bate. No, no, he's a very,
1: I, very good wrestler. And he, he's another guy, not unlike Pete Dunn who you put him in the ring and you know that you're going to get a good match out of him.
2: I'm I'm a little saddened by the exclusivity contracts that these WWUK guys had to sign because No no they are now, assure us
1: that this is good for wrestling. It's it's fine.
2: Well, I know, but I like watching Tyler Bate being able to work different styles. I like I like watching British strong style work heel. I wanna see Bate versus Osprey, you know, in various feds and things like that. I like that they can go outside of WWE work the hardcore work rate type of style and then come back and work the WWE style. I I'm I'm a little saddened now that it kind of uh it weakens the number of combinations you can see. I, I still have yet to see the Defy match with uh Mustache Mountain and uh and the and the Lucha guys. I I I heard that one tore the house down. But uh you know, we'll see. Joe Joe Coffee I thought was uh you know, he, he's he's uh he, he's taking the mantle of being the leader of the, of the Iron Kingdom. He's
1: growing into the role. I, I'm still yeah. not impressed by him. M- Michael Elgin, he is not.
2: He's still not the natural leader of that faction, whereas you thought Wolfgang might be, because Wolfgang has been established a little bit more on UK television.
1: Yes, and it would actually maybe work a little bit better, if because he does sort of look like the standout, because obviously the Coffees are brothers, so it's weird that Joe has such an outsized role compared to Mark, and this is a dynamic that, you know, if you had a backstage universe at all, you might explore...
2: See, now, did you ever watch the show Fargo? Uh,
1: no. No, I've I seen okay. the movie, but I have not watched the show.
2: Okay, no. Well, the second season, there was... Uh, 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 Bokeem Woodbine plays this guy named Mike Milligan, who is a fantastic character. It's the best work of Bokeem Woodbine's career. But he has these twins flanking him. That's why I'm thinking, Sid Scala now. I want Sid Scala and the Coffee Brothers. It's just a villain group. Uh... Okay, so other than the women's match, we had Lagero defeating Dan Maloney, and Zach Gibson and James Drake in a tag match beating Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. I have, I literally have no thoughts about either. Nothing. Of
1: these. I got nothing, man.
2: I mean, I think the Gibson Drake tag team is okay. It's oh,
1: It's just okay. They they. I, on commentary, they were trying to put over that these guys have known each other for a long time. But, but, I mean, Drake needs to kind of change his look a little bit to fit more with Gibson, especially since you're driving so much through Gibson.
2: And L-Legero, it I don't know what's not clicking with me for him because I think he's very, very talented. Um, It just screams type of guy they're not going to invest in too much. He's going to be that mid-card guy who does some flashy moves, but is going to lose to the guys that uh, they they want to take care of.
1: Yeah, especially with them really only having the one divisional title. You never can really picture Ligero as the champion.
2: Now, if they bring in other luchadors to, to face him, I think that could be exciting. Or he could go
1: over to 205 Live, and this is actually something where I think he could actually stand out a bit.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that either, especially... Uh, you know, just, just and maybe even, even if it's only so much as guest spots on 205 Live, I, I think he'd be they' Well, they're begging
1: for, for someone fresh over there. So you throw him into the pool and he does have a different look. And oh, by the way, the British flag mask doesn't seem as corny when you're on 205 Live.
2: Yeah, he was wearing a gold thing. Today. No, I liked
1: that. I, I thought that that, you know, it is a little more muted. The horns still don't do anything for me. They look a little silly.
2: <laughs> they 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 distract me a little bit. I mean, it, it, I think it's the bald head, the shaved head, because like it, like horns like that on Sekosis with the, the fake hair on top of it looks kind of cool. Right,
1: right, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I I think that it's just the aesthetics of it look a little weird from time to time. And then in a match taped uh, prior to the May Young Classic, Rhea Ripley defeated Tony Storm to become your first ever NXT UK Women's Champ. Um, I thought that was an okay match. It, it, I, I've seen Tony Storm and better. I think it was a great um, introduction, or in terms of giving Rhea Ripley the next step. Uh, you know, she's a killer. Um, she she is giant. Um, she is. Look, I I, I still think she's going to get moved to the main roster sooner than later. To be honest with you, because I I think she's that kind of she's that kind of heel that could that Charlotte needs to work underneath. Um, But she is your first UK champ. They've set up the natural feud now with the winner of the May Young Classic. Getting a rematch, probably at the first NXT UK takeover. What do you think of this?
1: This match, I have a hard time grading it objectively because I was just suffering from show fatigue after two episodes of NXT UK back to back. I like the choice of Rhea Ripley over Tony Storm just in general because I think it's better to have a heel as the champion and it gives Tony Storm someone to chase. Because if Tony Storm had won the belt, then it's kind of like who's she going to feud with? Um and and you could find somebody but but I I like the idea more of super dominant Rhea Ripley being established here and, and then eventually when you want to move her on you can have Tony Storm finally get over the mountain
2: yeah and especially you could do that at a big takeover show where it's where it's her home crowd and she gets the giant pop and and now that she's signed to WWE they they obviously think. Very highly of her, giving her the Mae Young Classic win. Um, I'm, you know, and Tony Storm has plenty. I mean, if she's going to be the alpha baby face in this division, you know,
1: you're better off establishing the alpha heel because we yeah, knew who the yes, alpha baby face was going to be, and it wasn't clear going into this if maybe Ginny was going to be the alpha heel. Now, in order for Ginny to work, you'd have to she'd have to be kind of a backstage manipulator. I think I don't think you can do it entirely inside of the ring. But Rhea Ripley, on the other hand, especially given the limited palette that this show likes to work in narratively, Rhea Ripley will be a much easier alpha babyface or alpha heel.
2: Yeah, well, you you need to establish the rogues gallery of, of the hero. And I think I think um, Ripley as a number one alpha heel is great. I think you do need to, to make Ginny a little stronger. I think you need to make her a little bit more like uh, the stuff I saw from Progress where she was that alpha heel on her, on on route to uh you know basically putting dahlia black out of wrestling and also becoming the progress women's champion um I, I i'd love to see something like a backstage manipulator type use kind of her intelligence and the kind of the classy aura she gives off um and again i'm high on jenny i i think you need a couple more really strong heels i'm i'm not i'm not as high as you are on killer kelly um <laughs> Or, uh, no, Is- Isla Don's the one you really like, right?
1: No, I was more in favor of Killer Kelly. I, I mean, I can't okay. say that I left this week uh, buying more shares of Killer Kelly. Uh, I- I'm, I'm-, I'm yeah. a hold. I'm not quite a sell yet, but, uh, you know, I- I'm a hold trending sell.
2: And I think you need to establish a real strong secondary baby face in the division. And I think they, they need to decide whether that's going to be Dakota Kai or it's going to be Zaya or Millie. Yeah, I feel you like have, they're
1: going with Millie, but...
2: It feels like that. That's
1: just where I feel right now.
2: And and it's kind of cool that they've decided to invest in, for lack of a better term, people in their late teens, whereas before they wouldn't even... I mean, I remember with Tessa Blanchard, for all the attitude issues and whatnot that people had about her was... That they weren't going to even look at her until she was twenty one or twenty two, um, you know, so that she could get a few more years of maturity and also might probably be old enough to drink. Who knows, uh, with them? But you know, what if they're investing in eighteen year olds on 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 the lower roster? I'm good with that. I, I think that's a positive, because I think part of the reason I'm so worried about, say, Montez Ford, is I think they're going to wait three years too late to pull the trigger on him. Because he's already been down there two years and he's nearing, I think he's close to 30. D- d- I, I might be wrong on that. And it's like w- once you get an athletic guy who's in the early 30s, then, then the injuries start to happen and you don't have as as long of a, of a hot streak as you could possibly have. So I, I'm fine with that. That'll do it for me for uh, NXT UK. Take us into 205 Live.
1: Where would you like to begin, Jeff Hawkins? Would you want to start with Drake Maverick and the fact that we finally mentioned Drake Maverick's raw life on 205 Live, and we've now introduced the fact that Drake Maverick wet himself into this universe?
2: No, I think I'd like to... Uh, I, the, the, the DM you sent me, which made me laugh, but also made me think at the same time, which was uh, uh, Hideo Tommy has rediscovered carbs.
1: Yeah, yeah, he 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 he's put on a few pounds.
2: Is he underneath the 205 limit still?
1: Oh, would that add? would be funny. He he gets kicked out of 205 live by not making weight.
2: So, Hideo Tomi has returned after his uh no holds barred match versus Arya or not Arya Davari versus um Mustafa Ali. Arya Davari comes out says I respect you. They they create a a coalition, so to speak. Yeah, I didn't love I, keeping Arya
1: Davari heel because it actually seemed like the crowd was kind of willing to go with the Arya Davari face turn.
2: Yeah, I think.
1: Uh, and I think Arya Davari you do after
2: what you did at uh Greatest Royal Rumble. Just saying, let's let's try to put <laughs> that in the rearview mirror. Oh, oh, they don't want to touch that. No, aren't no. That's reintroduction. That's not how you reintroduce characters. And since you have such a small roster anyways, and 205 Live, you could do a better job than just plays his music and he returns. This is actually another guys- argument
1: for turning him face beyond the greatest Royal Rumble stuff. It's just this is a roster that has been such a contained and frankly kind of stale universe that babyface Arya Divari would actually feel like something new and kind of interesting in what's he going to do now. It's a new guy. Yeah, he's and, back and he's on the other side of the ledger.
2: And cut across the cheap jingoistic heel heat. Yes. as well, which is always I mean that that's the thing that I mean it took uh, let, let's face it. It took Mustafa Ali a few months to get past that because people were still making comments about him on Twitter and sometimes at live events that would that would just be so beyond the pale. I mean, look...
1: Man, hearing the USA, USA chant during the Martel or Marcel-Bartell match this week made me kind of cringe.
2: Yeah, but it's... Uh, that's how it's been played. I mean, look... No, they I had get that the tradition ma- that... of it in
1: wrestling, too, and there there's a time for it, but man, I just hate it as cheap heat. It, it really... It, it feels... Off, tacky. I, I don't care for it. Was there?
2: Was there a Neville versus somebody match on two hundred five? I thought it was like the day after WrestleMania. Oh God, there was. Taped, yes, and, there and, and, was. And, 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 and neither person was from the U.S., but everybody was chanting USA. And you're just like, come on, guys, be smarter than that. Can't remember it, but whatever. Um, other than that, you know, I am. Don't care about
1: am, Mike and Maria. Don't care about TJP.
2: Boy, they have, they have done... I mean, TJP is still reminding us he's the first Cruiserweight champ.
1: I like <laughs> when That's Drake just... Maverick took the piss out of TJP. I wasn't trying to actually make a pun, but I committed to the phrase and the sentence and realized it midway through. But I liked it when he was like, yes, yes, you're the first Cruiserweight champion. We've heard about that a lot, often many a time
2: this is not my favorite Maria um I think she could be a little stronger on the mic in the interactions or she could be scripted a little bit better um there's no character
1: she's just a uh, no conniving character. person
2: yeah there is it's it's kind of sad and I' you know what even though some of the skits were dumb I thought Maria's you know ditzy character that she had before. At least had some charm to it. I, I, I like that a lot.
1: And I hate how um, having the schizoid Drake Maverick has led to a much less interesting Drake Maverick here on two oh five live.
2: Yeah, he he is he is someone who has not benefited from being on Raw. That that's that's obvious to me. Uh also wait, wait did I you have... realize
1: that when he pissed himself? <laughs> Jeez.
2: I am so, don't, don't make me go back to that dark place. No, I'm course. just saying you want to
1: pinpoint a time, you know? I, I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's hard to really kind of nail one spot where it really all went south for Drake Maverick.
2: Don't make me think of those negative waves, Moriarty. Don't. Uh, let's keep things righteous and cool. Um, I, But I'll tell you something. I hate this presentation of the Lucha House Party now. It was bad before, but now it's pinatas and noisemakers. It's kind of racist. And it's things. like a little
1: stereotypical yeah, bare minimum.
2: Yeah, it's not respectful of lucha culture. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm floored that oh, everybody's gonna have a pinata, and and they're naming one of the pinatas. So you know what that means? It's getting stolen at some point. Or smashed. Or smashed. And, oh, they smash... Which is
1: the point of a pinata, by the way.
2: Dorothy, or what? Penelope is is the name
1: of this pinata. Why do I know that? I hate myself for knowing this.
2: Well, I mean, they name... But, yeah, we might get, like, a broken Penelope T-shirt out of it. But it's just one of those things where then they'll have to cry because, oh, Penelope meant so much to the act. And you're just like... To me, right now, 205, someone has decided to take the... Everything original about what it was supposed to be, and decide that we need to put the WWE template in there. Now they did this with 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 um, Enzo originally,
1: right? But but they've never really found what this show is in the post Enzo era, and it looked like for a moment that they had kind of gotten that with Drew Gulak, which would have given them a through line in an arc, which we've talked about before. But now, as you're saying, they've just sort of defaulted to, well, write it kind of like main event or something. Yeah, it
2: feels like a typical WWE program. A
1: B program. That, a WWE the, B program.
2: It's a WWE B program with guys who are smaller, which means a WWE audience thinks less of them. And it ha and okay, we'll give them one good wrestling match, but we won't give them any good characterization to make them want to care about this match. They'll just have to like the good match and and, and be happy with that. And, this and, week's good this match point. was
1: good. I like Tony Lee and Buddy good. Murphy and Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. I thought they had another very good match. I liked the story getting told there. It's just this show has lost a lot of steam.
2: They've made Cedric Alexander boring.
1: Yes, because they refused to pull the trigger on that. the heel turn when they should have done it back at Mania, and instead they just kept that babyface title run going until it got really stale.
2: Yeah, and but they did establish him as the number one contender, so...
1: Yes. I, I mean, I think we're getting things going again with him, and the fact that he tagged himself in to win the match here, we're... we're Planting seeds. We're setting the table a little bit for the grander Cedric Alexander storyline here because I think he's going to come up short again. And that's when things will get interesting. It's just this holding pattern sucks. And, and like the Drew Gulak and Brian Kendrick feud, this could be a lot more interesting. But the promos are corny, Right. The Tozawa. And Brian Kendrick's stuff, they have all of this backstory that they could play off of. And instead, you have Tozawa kind of acting like nothing ever happened and trying to convince Brian Kendrick to get hungry to fight, which seems stupid because the whole reason he aligned with Tozawa is because he hates Drew Gulak so much.
2: Yeah, and then you have the Gulag Gallagher promos that are a little too cute by half. You know, a little comedy in there. I just it, it's it feels like a, a, a B grade WWE program. I think you're exactly right on that and that's that's the sad part. I don't I don't think, I don't think the, the cure is straight sport per se like they were trying to do because you do need personality in the program. I think that's the mistake a lot of people have is they want to go harder towards well it should be a pure work. No, no, program.
1: absolutely not. These guys work together so much that the sort of the arc narratively is they've had all of this history and you need to be able to recall on it and that history has to matter. So the fact that Gallagher and Tozawa used to tag together when Gallagher speaks, he needs to reference that. the fact that Kendrick and Tozawa had this feud now that they're aligned together, that needs to be addressed and needs to almost be a focal point and even a little bit of attention in their alliance, something that comes up from time to time. All the small stuff has to matter when you've got a small roster
2: agreed agreed but but the tag match was spectacular I just I thought they'd you know i It's just hard to do a great match and have me care on a program where it's just going to be another great match next week until we get to whatever pay-per-view they put this Cruiserweight Championship on where the main roster audience won't care. Right. I'm I'm a little frustrated. I'm a little frustrated. I don't like the holding pattern.
1: Like booking strategy too, like niece and Murphy just kind of seem stuck on the same page right now. You know,
2: we have a Lucha House Party match every week where they get the upper hand, and this this, and that, and it's always. I just tune
1: those out. Those are like the white noise in my life at this point. I I don't care about the Lucha House Party
2: anymore. I know people are going to retch at this, but is the is the answer to this putting the undisputed era up all four at once? As a major heel unit to just take over the entire show.
1: Tell me why that would be a bad idea, honestly. At this point,
2: because it's it's a death knell. No, this for your show has to al- to a yes, five
1: that's definitely true. But this show has always worked, or when it has worked, it has worked with a dominant top of card heel champion who who could wrestle or even in the case of the Zo train, like like there were some episodes that got really bad there towards the end. But early on when he became, you know, this big dickhead heel and they really got that over it worked, because you could at least tell a story through that. Um, and, and really, the Neville stuff, I think, is the Sterling example. King Neville standing was atop... Great. Yes, that was awesome. And all of those episodes were very good and built into things. Tazawa going up against Neville meant something. It was all just very fresh. So I, I would love the, a faction. The
2: king of the chrysalis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You want to step in the ring with the king, boy?
2: The king. Yeah, it was such a it was such a weird it was such a weird you know uh, revelation of how much scenery Neville could chew at once because because that part had never really come out before in his character and it it, became, it made it made the division interesting although you know you thought you had something there with Austin Aries um, and then and then all the personality kind of left when those two left and you were forced to you know. They, they've they so missed the boat on TJP, and I thought he could possibly...
1: He would have been it. a good stepping stone when Aries left. Because, yeah, i have forgotten about the Aries run, and they'd had him on commentary and everything. and They were kind of setting the table for Aries versus Neville, and then that didn't work out, and Aries has career ideas that take him all their places. And, and so yeah I think that would have helped them a lot especially compared to Enzo Amore that would have I think probably also kept that writing team more focused on what works on this show
2: yeah I I agree uh that's all the time I'm going to give for, for this. Uh, Chris, tell the people where you can find where people can find you.
1: Yeah, there, there are many places to find me. You can find me on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. I host a couple of other shows. One of them is called Don't Worry About the Government. We put out a new episode, I don't know, like a couple few days ago, like Monday, I think. You can find that at DontWorry.TV or on iTunes and Stitcher. My other other show is the All in the Family podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for the All in the Family Podcast. Do it.
2: You can follow me at Crap Game 13, you can follow show episodes at Shake Them Ropes. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We're getting our Jinsei Shinsaki and Great Muda episode together this weekend. I'm gonna be binge watching some uh, some pretty damn great Muda matches. Um, just 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 in the mindset. Uh, Not too late to join. Uh, I believe that will start in December when they charge you and whatnot. Get in, get all the benefits, get all the sexy Chris Novembrino you can handle.
1: Wait, I want to keep my clothes on. Nope.